on the night of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's birth, the angels made a wonderful announcement to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased. When Jesus took on the form of man and was born in Bethlehem, he brought with him a peace that we would know in no other way. We have been looking at that peace. Last week, we looked at the fact that Jesus brings us peace with God. And then today, I want us to look at peace within. And then next week, we're going to be looking at peace with others. If you'll look around, you will see that peace within is something that the world needs terribly at this moment and that the world is seeking. And the thing is, is that the church has the answer that they are seeking. We need peace within here in the United States like we have never needed it before. I ran across an article the other day that just really drove this home for me. It says the life expectancy in the United States has fallen for the second year in a row thanks to a combination of drug and alcohol use and suicides, according to a new report released Wednesday. The drop was particularly large among middle-aged white Americans and those living in rural communities, experts said in a report from the BMJ, formerly known as the British Medical Journal. The report complements one released in December from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that also found United States life expectancy was down for the second straight year. We are seeing an alarming increase in deaths from substance abuse and despair, said Stephen Wolf at Virginia Commonwealth University. An alarming increase in deaths from substance abuse and despair. People are seeking peace, and this is what's resulting from looking for peace whenever you're not looking in the right place. And sadly, as we drift further and further away from God and push God further and further out of our conversation here in the United States, we are seeing that the gospel is good news that the gospel brings life. And those people who are taking their own lives because of substance abuse and despair have an emptiness within that can only be filled with the peace from God. There's a peace that can only be found through Jesus Christ, and he brings life in the place of death. You know, uh, As I was thinking about this, it dawned on me that this is not a new thing. It has been going on since the very beginning of the world. And the thing is, is that we are just now seeing what can happen whenever God's peace is not found uh, here in the United States because we just aren't seeking him. And he has the answer. It reminded me of someone that lived back in the year 300. St. Augustine is one of the greatest of our church fathers, and he looked just like people in the United States are looking today. 
in all the wrong places for meaning and fulfillment in life. Let me just share part of his testimony with you. And what is God? I asked the earth, and it answered, I am not God, and all the things in the earth made the same confession. I asked the sea and the deeps and creeping things, and they answered, We are not your God. Seek higher. I asked the winds that blow and the air with all that is in it, and the wind answered, I am not God. I asked the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, and they answered, Neither are we God whom you seek. So I asked all those things that entice the senses. Tell me then of this mysterious one that I search for. And all cried out to me in one great voice, God made us, and God made you. So I set about to find God, and found that I could not find him until I embraced embraced the mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus, who is over all these things, who was calling me and saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. These words of St. Augustine are the same words that you could find people saying all over the world today who sought in all the wrong places and then finally surrendered to God. He goes on and he said, well, I'll just tell you, he lived much of his young life resisting God's will and purposes. Preoccupied with his body, he sought satisfaction in sex. Preoccupied with power, he sought to ingratiate himself with the mighty. Preoccupied with status, he sought self-promotion. Preoccupied with wealth, he tried to sell himself into a career. And none of these things, for all their allure and glitter and their promises, none of them brought him satisfaction. As a result, Augustine embraced the prevailing esoteric and arcane spiritualities of his day. He followed strange gods in an attempt to shake his alarming sense of dissatisfaction, and this left him emptier and even more diminished than before. But then something happened that changed Augustine forever. He says, I found myself weeping in the bitter sorrow of my heart, and suddenly I heard a voice from a nearby house, a child's voice, boy or girl, I do not know, but it was sort of a sing-song that repeated over and over again, take and read, take and read, wiping away my tears. I took this as a divine command and opened the scriptures and in silence read the passage on which my eyes first fell, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in debauchery and impurity, not in contention and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus. And this is what Augustine did. He discarded the skin of his old self, and he put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Augustine, so many of us fall into the illusion that something other than God can satisfy us or give our lives purpose and meaning And like the young Augustine, we are captivated 
by self-deception that directs us away from the one who is absolutely necessary, and that is Jesus Christ. In response to all the futility of our refusals, the wisdom of St. Augustine still rings true today. You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So many have restless hearts, and they need to hear the good news that Jesus has peace for those restless hearts. There is something that can fill that vacuum within. You see, it's a God-shaped hole that only can be filled by him. And this fulfillment comes, we see in Scripture, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, he's flat told us it comes through the Holy Spirit. In John, the 14th chapter, the 23rd through the 27th verses, we read, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear are not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful. As we hear these words of our Lord Jesus, we can understand that it's his peace. He says, my peace I give to you. It's his to give, and he chooses to give it. He's left it to us as a legacy. He wants us to have it. And this is why on the last night of his life, He talked about giving us peace. And if you want his peace, he wants you to have it. It's his peace. He gives it. You cannot generate it. You cannot attain it on your own. You can't work yourself into it. All you can do is receive him and he will give you peace. That peace doesn't come until you surrender to him. We talked last week about how it's more than submitting to him. We talked last week about how when you submit to something, you want to maintain control. When you submit yourself to the Lord, it's like you've invited him to come along and ride in the car with you. But when you surrender to him, it's like you stop the car, you get out, and you exchange places with him. You let him have the wheel, sit in the driver's seat, and you give him the keys to the car, and you say, okay, Lord, where are we going? That is surrender. You surrender your life to him, and quit telling him how you want to live your life, and quit telling him what he ought to do for you, and instead surrender your life to him. And when you do, the Holy Spirit comes and he gives you an inner peace. It comes right along 
peace with God. And peace with God settles so many things. You no longer have to fear him because you become his child. As he says, as John says in John 1, 12 and 13, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And we are born of God through the entering of the Holy Spirit into our lives. This brings a peace with our past. We're freed from the burden of sin. We're freed from guilt and from shame. We're freed as far as our identity goes. We don't have to be trying to figure out who we are. We know we are his and that we are acceptable and beloved. This reminds me of the story of Fred Craddock. Uh, well, a, a story that Fred Craddock told. Uh, Fred Craddock was a lecturer at Phillips Theological Seminary in the United States. He tells about a time when he was on holiday in Tennessee. He and his wife were having dinner at a restaurant when an old man started talking to them, asking them how they were doing and if they were enjoying their holiday. When the old man asked Fred what he did for a living, Fred saw the chance to get rid of him. I'm a preacher. A preacher? That's great. Let me tell you a story about a preacher. And then the old man sat down at their table and started to tell his story. And as he did, Fred's annoyance was changed to one of profound humility. The old man explained that he was born illegitimately. Uh, he was born without knowing who his father was. And this was a source of great shame in a small town in the early 20th century. And then one day, a new preacher came to the local church. And the old man explained that as a youngster, he had never gone to church. But one Sunday, he decided to go along and hear what this new preacher had to say. And he was good. And the illegitimate child went back again and then again. In fact, he started attending just about every week. But to his shame, he would sneak out right as the service was ending because he didn't want to have to talk to the pastor. He would uh, always arrive late and leave early, so he wouldn't have to talk to anyone, actually. But one Sunday, he got so caught up in the sermon that he forgot to leave. And before he knew it, the service was over and the aisles were filling. He rushed to get past the people and out the door. But as he did, he felt a heavy hand upon his shoulder. He turned around to see the preacher, a big, tall man, looking down at him, asking, What's your name, boy? Whose son are you? And then the little boy just died inside. The very thing that he wanted to avoid was now here. But before he could say anything, the preacher said, I know who you are. I know who your family is. There's a distinct family resemblance. Why, you're the son? You're the son? You're the son of God. The old man sitting at Fred Craddock's table said, You know, mister, those words changed my life. And with that, he got up and he left. When the waitress came over, she uh, said to Fred Craddock and his wife, 
Do you know who that was? No, they replied. That was Ben Hooper, most loved man and two-term governor of Tennessee. Identity. We find our identity in God. Ben Hooper found his identity in God. And it's one of those things that comes from that peace within and having peace with God. And another thing that we have, another aspect of this peace is peace with dying. You know, the other day I was in Walgreens looking uh, over their shaving soap section because I like to use a mug with the round shaving soap. I know it's old fashioned, but I just like it. And for about five months uh, in the Katy area, no matter what uh, store I went to, they had no shaving soap that was round that would fit in my mug. And so I'd already fa- I just found some and uh, I bought two, two bars of it just so I'd have some. But then it got to be just a matter of principle that every time I went in a different place, I wanted to look and see if they had shaving soap. And so I was overtaking inventory of their shaving soap. And there's another gentleman close to my age uh, there looking around. And um, I spoke to him and I, I told him that I was just looking to see, just taking inventory to see if they had uh, shaving soap and told him the kind I was talking about. And he said, oh man, like in a mug? I said, yeah. I said, well, that's old school. And I said, yeah. And we got to talking. And uh, in our conversation, he mentioned uh, that getting old just really wasn't uh, all that it was cracked out to be. And he said, you know, I just turned 75 not long ago. And I don't know why, but turning 75 did something to me. Up till this point, I've just always just kind of never thought about dying. I just thought I'm just going to live forever, you know. And then, but whenever I turned 75, all of a sudden it dawned on me, you know, I've just got about 25 more years to live. And uh, I explained to him that I, I could understand that, that mortality hit me when I was 35. And I realized that I was going to be 50 in 15 years. And back then, I thought that at age 50, life was over. And so I was just, I got into a funk at age 35 because I only had 15 good years left. The Lord was gracious though. And uh, he wound up sending me to uh, a church in San Augustine, Texas, where the people that in that town, many of them were octo and nonogenarians that were still very active. And I saw that Age could just be a number that uh, just because you got older and got past 50 didn't mean that life was over. One of my running buddies was 96 whenever I left uh, uh, serving that church. And uh, another one was 86, dear friend, and he was getting ready to run for mayor again. And uh, that year, uh, one of my church members, uh, was who was 82, won the walkathon wearing her Nikes that year. And so I discovered that there's life after 50. But the thing is, this is just it. Whenever the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, with it comes an assurance of eternal life. As it just confirms what Jesus said, we said, for God so loved the world 
that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should never perish, but have eternal life. And just an assurance of our salvation, an assurance of eternal life comes with that presence of the Holy Spirit coming into our hearts when we finally surrender to him. And with that comes a great peace. I remember getting to hear Barry McGuire, the singer uh, with a New Christy Minstrel, uh, sharing one time his testimony. And he talked about the time whenever he was just so low, he was about like St. Augustine that I mentioned at the beginning of this message. He was looking for meaning in life and fame and fortune. Nothing had given meaning in life. Partying hadn't given meaning in life. And he was coming out of a nightclub in Hollywood, just despondent because nothing gave satisfaction in life. And he just kind of looked at the ground. He looked up and there was a guy sitting on a motorcycle, just grinning. And Barry said, hey, what's up, man? What's what's going on? And the man on the motorcycle just grinned real big and said, Jesus. And that struck a chord with Barry McGuire. He couldn't shake the look on that man's face, the joy in his life. Now that man was Arthur Blessed. The guy on the motorcycle was. And Arthur Blessed is sold out to the Lord. But just that one word, Jesus, changed Barry McGuire's life because then he started looking to Jesus. And just like St. Augustine, he found that Christ was fulfillment. In my own life, I did the same thing. I looked in all the wrong places. And finally, in Christ, I found the answer as I yielded my life to him. Sooner or later, we have to come to grips with our mortality. And once we do, and if we finally realize in Christ that we're going to live forever. The words of that old song just become alive. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. It's wonderful to have that peace within. It gives us peace in the middle of storms, It doesn't mean that we're going to be free from pain or free from troubles in life, but no matter what we go through, we know that we are, have the peace of being on something solid, that the Lord is with us and our feet are firmly planted on the rock. I can remember sitting with a family who had just lost their 21 year old son in a truck accident. And we were sitting there and they were grieving so. And as they grieved, the father looked at me and he said, it hurts, Joel. It hurts. But I just want you to answer me one thing. And I said, what's that? He said, how does anyone get through something like this without the Lord? And he confessed that even though he was in great pain, He was in great agony because of the loss of his son, that still he felt a strength within and a peace in the bottom of his heart 
that he knew that he couldn't make it without. How about you? Do you have that peace? Have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you can say for certain that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Have you come to that place in your life where the love of God has been shed abroad in your life to where his peace reigns? If not, it can begin in an instant. Just stop where you are and say, Lord, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of being in control. I know I can't control it all now. And so I yield my life to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.